That's why people reached out to me after our podcast is essentially we were talking about, if you guys didn't hear it, about how even the term tribalist was becoming a tribe and that even a lot of the sort of like we're above tribalism tribe, their tribe became we have to call out the other tribes as voraciously as they're calling out us. And they were still doing the exact same shit, right? Like pulling quotes, like trying to almost cancel tribe people. And it's like, okay, we're all hypocrites. We're all doing the same thing. And where me and you, I think, got a lot of love was saying how you should be able to live in gray and and nuance and call out both sides, but not have that define you. I mean, I'm still way more fucking liberal than I am. I mean, I remember when like I did Glenn Beck and they were all so nice to me and I just go, man, maybe I am right wing, maybe just because these people were nice. And I remember I was like super broke. And I was living in LA and my apartment was like covered in fleas. And I I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch some like Ben Shapiro on YouTube. People say good things about him. And I like typed in Ben Shapiro and I watched for like 30 seconds and I go, nope, I'm, I'm not, I'm not this. And I closed my computer and was like, ah, fuck. Welcome to the Unspeakable Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Daum. My guest is comedian Jamie Kilstein. He is the host of the podcast, A Fuck-Up's Guide to the Universe, and he's been on Joe Rogan, Conan, and lots of other shows, including this one. Jamie and I spoke last fall and talked about our mutual podcasting challenges and surviving in the new creative economy, among other things. Jamie has been the target of a cancellation mob, which he talked about last time and touches on again here, but we really this time talk more about his current dating life, his relationship patterns my relationship patterns a little bit. We talk about what kind of partner is best for a self-employed creative person and as a sort of addendum to the which dictators are hot conversation I had with some guests a few weeks ago. We talk about which members of the so-called IDW or intellectual dark web are the most attractive. The answers to that question are mostly confined to the Patreon's only bonus content, but I should warn you that The public feed does include some rather deliciously tasteless jokes, and Jamie, true to form, drops the F-bomb frequently. So I just want to make you aware of that in case you're listening with small children. I don't think very many small children are regular listeners to this podcast, but maybe there's more precocious ones out there than we might imagine. Anyway, I want to say a couple things about this episode. Very minor point, but I feel compelled to bring it up is that at one point in the interview, I refer to the marriage of Jackson Pollock and Lee Krausner. And I mistakenly refer to the latter as Lee Kravitz, who was someone else entirely. It is Lee Krausner, the abstract expressionist painter, whose work was largely overshadowed by Pollock's. And I managed to overshadow her once again, by conflating her with someone else, a male writer who was for many years the editor of Parade Magazine. That's who Lee Kravitz is. Anyway, not the point at all. Finally, and one more disclaimer, in an impeccable bit of timing, this interview includes some riffing on the subject of abortion and Roe versus Wade. Suffice it to say, it was recorded before the news broke that a leaked document showed that the court was poised to overturn that decision. I did not cut the jokes out or anything out of this interview, uh, though I did delay it a week or so so I could do a serious episode about the whole issue last week. Uh, That was my interview with policy expert 
and ethicist Francis Kissling. So check that out if you missed it. And meanwhile, for something entirely different, enjoy this hilarity with Jamie Kilstein. Did we talk like last fall? Something like that. Um, we had a good one. I remember um, I got a lot of feedback from your people. And I remember just thinking <laughs> that I liked your people. Oh, who are I my mean, people? you know, that's it's good, no going good. on Joe Rogan and being called a cuck no. for a week. But well, it was I, would, pre- I would do anything to ha- give you that experience. Right. <laughs> I hope it happens. Someday now. I'll get there. I hope all your sweet listeners call, go to Twitter and call me a cuck. Yeah, cock, cock as fuck. Cock, cocked yep. AF. Yeah, is, yeah. Is my, that that my makes it a slogan. little hip for the yeah, for the and kids. It, it rhymes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Forget nuanced. Ugh. No, yuck. Yeah. So yeah, I think we talked last fall and we did it on YouTube because that was during my um my fleeting attempt to have a YouTube channel. Right, dude. YouTube is one of those things. Where someone will be like, you need a YouTube channel. That's how you're going to blow up. And I go, got it. And then I post one video and it doesn't do great in like an hour. And I'm like, fuck YouTube. <laughs> well, I remember we were all, we were also talking about um, pretending that we had sponsors. And we were going to just do uh, ads for random sponsors. Yeah. Uh, so- the, 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 this podcast, by the way, is sponsored by Manscaped. Uh, even cucks shave their balls, uh, even though they're not fucking. Really? Uh, mansca- you're, manscaped.com. You're, manscaped. Okay. Com. I don't know. This I'm, trying one. To, I'm, trying to get, well, my, I'm trying to get your money, buddy. Now, my, my, you know, this, this podcast is sponsored by Tesla Motors. Oh, hell yeah. They, yeah, they're, they don't do, Tesla does not advertise, but except for on the unspeakable. A lot yeah. of people don't realize that. Well, my podcast is also sponsored by um, Elon Musk's Twitter. Um, they only sponsor a fuck ups guide to the universe. All Musk, all day. God, people are erupting on Twitter. We don't have to talk about it. I, don't I know we don't have it. to talk about it because I'm probably not going to be able to post this for a few weeks. So I don't want to sound even more out of date than I oh usually my God. am. <laughs> uh, so we, we can talk about evergreen topics. I did uh, just listen to your breakup interview your breakup conversation with your some with your co-host nicole is she no, like your regular n- no nicole no no a- i know you weren't dating her no I, i'm not i'm not saying you were i'm oh, not no, saying no, no, you no. broke let's, up with her let's, no let's spread that rumor you mean the porn star <laughs> with three million followers yeah, yeah she, no. she's your co-host i'm so envious Why no no, no. I have she, a porn star she, just jump, she just jumps on whenever i want <laughs> oh really she Sexually, jumps on whenever you want you have a yeah. porn star who jumps on whenever you want that's it that's it baby go subscribe guys patreon.com slash amy kilstein um no she just came out she usually comes on when my life is uh uh falling apart and yeah i had a a pretty brutal breakup but it is one of those things where you fucking learn about yourself and you go you know I could have learned this lesson someone could have handed me a fucking note like whenever people are like it's the universe and i'm like could the universe have just put it in a fortune cookie instead of breaking my heart and sending me to Hawaii and sending me back. Like it was just Wait, such a fucking you to Hawaii. That's not so bad for a breakup. I guess. So me and my ex were going to go to Hawaii. We were going to move there. She changed her mind, panicked and then fucking just the relationship imploded. And then uh, a a presidential candidate, I won't say which one, but you guys can probably figure out who would actually talk to Jamie. Um, it's not Kamala Harris. And Is it uh, a Hawaiian? It sure is. <laughs> Obama? Barack Obama? It was Barack Obama, you guys. Yeah. Barack Obama set me up with a pad. 
in Hawaii and I went out there for a couple of weeks and what I was supposed to do was find myself, but this dumb idiot was being, uh, my ex was texting me and about how she misses me and all this shit. And so, and, and I was doing the same and, uh, she's like, we should make it work. And I go to fly back. Wait, 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 and, hang on a second. I'm going to stop you. You were staying in Tulsi Gabbard's house. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. But a friend, a friend of Tulsi Gabbard's who was a friend of yours. Uh, no, but they are now. And your ex suddenly wanted to get back with you because you were in Hawaii staying at Tulsi Gabbard's. Just killing it. Well, I friend. mean, you well, know. Of course, any ex would want to get back with anybody. I mean, not to minimize your experience, but. You mean it's not, she didn't want to get back to me because I'm special, Megan? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, you're living. First of all, how, going to Hawaii or saying you're going to move to Hawaii is like the gateway to personal catastrophe. That, I mean, I thought it was a badass breakup move where I'm like, oh, you're going to get bangs. I'm going to go live on a fucking farm in Hawaii. Have yeah, fun we're going to talk your, about the bangs too. With your yeah. stupid bangs. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, I flew, I flew back, um, cause we were going to get back together. And then while I was in midair, um, she talked to her friends, I guess, and changed her mind. And so I literally pulled up to the fucking airport, like inside Lewin Davis, where I had like a fucking acoustic guitar and a bag and no place to live suddenly. And it was a goddamn disaster. And wait, wait, while you were flying, this is like a Justine Sacco situation. Like this is like a little mini version of being canceled by the entire world while you're in flight. So you had no idea this was going on. You were flying, let me just understand this. You were flying back from Hawaii to where, Austin? Where? To Austin to move back in to the house me and my girlfriend lived in. And then I flew back to no house. All my shit was sold and no girlfriend. That she, this happened over the course of the flight? How many hours is that flight? Uh, I mean, it's pretty fucking long, but she, I mean, it was a very efficient move for her. Yeah. It was enough time for her to talk to her shitty friends. (laughs) She got all, she got all your stuff out of the house. Oh no, no, no. That was already gone. That that, that was already gone before I went to Hawaii. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, hilariously it's amicable. Uh, like now it is. Cause there was part of me that just wanted to be like, you put me on the streets. But I mean, like we're still, uh, I'm told I, I, I'm the only ex she hasn't blocked on social media. So very exciting, but it, you know, I figured out that, I mean, not to make this fucking sappy, but I figured out this week, last week, that I was just so unsure of what I was doing with my life and I didn't have a fucking purpose and I was scared and I'm still hardcore recovering from all the cancel stuff and I'm finally sort of defending myself, um, which I hadn't done in eight years. And uh, I'm finally embracing comedy. And, you know, when I met her, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I, and so suddenly this beautiful girl comes along and she loves me and she thinks I'm funny and she thinks what happened to me was bullshit. And I just go, this is it. This is everything that I struggled for. I, I'm now being rewarded in this, this, this package of Amy, right? You know, and, so had you met in the fall? So when we spoke in the fall, had you met her yet? No, this was, dude, you're going to laugh. The, the relationship was like three months. It was just one of those like fast, intense, falling in love, moved in on the fucking third date. Like it was insane. Wow. Are you it sure was, you're not lesbians? Um, no, uh, there, I remember, um, a friend of mine once I had like, um, I had a one night stand and was like, you know, I, I really think there's something there. And my friend who is a lesbian goes, you are more of a lesbian than I am. And I was like, yep, 
Yep, yep, yep, yep, yep, yep. Um, I believe the term, the progressive term for it is codependent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, lesbians are being, are going ex- extinct, but uh, I, I didn't realize they were but all- codependent. They've just been reclassified as codependent. Codependent yeah. still fucking thriving. Well, that, you know, that is the thing I realized where even if I, I mean, with her, I was fucking all in. I was like, yes, you're everything I've looked for, blah, blah, blah. But I've moved too fast before- and what I learned is that it is a lack of self-confidence where even if I go, ooh, I don't know if I feel right about this, or I don't know if I'm in love with her yet, or I don't know if this is moving too fast, I, one, I fall in love with the story, but two, am so insecure about myself and so shocked that a beautiful woman wants to be with me that I just go, well, there clearly was some mix-up, and I need to latch myself onto this as hard as humanly possible so that they don't go away. Like, oh, you want to move in? Okay, great. That's going to be more steps for you to break up with me because movers are very expensive and like maybe that'll, you know. Well, and, apparently not. If she's got, sounds like she has friends with, you know. Ugh, with fucking goddamn Facebook But wait a second. I, this is, okay, because you have, there's another version of this, which is the Groucho Marx syndrome where it, you have low self-esteem and then if somebody likes you, you immediately stop liking them because how can they be so stupid as to like you? Oh, you have actual contempt for anyone dumb enough to like you. Yeah, that's actually kind of, uh, so I was never like that. I was so excited that someone would like me, but that is actually kind of happening to me now is, uh, since our breakup, um, this, uh, this very nice woman has been talking to me and she's great. And there is part of me that is starting to pull back because she wants to meet and is starting to pull back. So she must I, be a loser. Is that what you're thinking? Well, you, well I'm just like, yeah. And I'm trying to catch myself where not that she's a loser. She's just so nice. And I'm trying to catch myself and I'm trying to be like, okay, am I starting to push back because I'm not used to this? Because I'm not used to just a sweet fucking person and I'm used to drama and I'm used to, you know what I mean? And I don't fucking know. Like, Wait, have you know. not met yet? It's like like you met on a dating app and you haven't met in person yet? No, it was uh, like through a friend on. So we've been talking on like Instagram and phone. Oh, you so you met like IRL sort of. Even no, 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 no. You no, haven't no. met just, IRL. No, just, I know, just, but you didn't meet on an app. So I actually think that's already, you're already a step ahead because you didn't Well, the friend on. introduction is great. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But, you know, this is, I mean, here, I'll make it, I'll make it political for you people. Please, it, please make it have to do with the culture wars, please. Yeah, well, I mean, I will. Even though everyone I talk to, even though it has fucking derailed my life, and everyone I talk to, when they find out why I was canceled, go, that's fucking stupid. Or, you know, especially like the women in my life, the celebrity women in my life, or like, they'll feel bad for me, which is crazy because I felt so much shame for so long and still do. But there are little things with cancellations that people don't think about, right? Like, I have had to talk to every single one of my girlfriend's parents about what happened to me because of my Google. I've had to explain that an affair isn't uh, sexual misconduct. I've had to, and even if the parents are on my side, not a fun thing explaining to a bunch of 70-year-olds the fucking Me Too movement. And how are, they, are they really going to Google, a 70 year, 70 70-year-olds are going to Google you, I guess. This happened in my last relationship and they were horrified and it actually like it, it it even like, you know, I mean, my ex knew what happened and supported the shit out of me and, you know, still does. Um, But it shook her. I mean, it would shake anybody to have your parents be like, are you dating a abuser? The word abuser 
You know what I mean? Are you dating a predator when the word predator just meant consensual one night stands? But like, and it's so fucked up where, so even with dating, I don't think I've ever talked about this part of it, but even with dating, you find someone and, you know, I tell the fucking story and all of my friends, all my girlfriends are like, stop doing this. I've told the full fucking story, not what you Google, but the full fucking story on first dates because I have such shame and I'm just like, well, I can't sleep with this person. And then they Google me and then they think this and then they think they trick. Like there are so many weird thoughts that go into your head and the amount of women who've been like, bro, you didn't tell me that. Or like, I thought you were going to tell me you were like accused of rape or, you know, whatever. And we should just say, sorry, I, because I, I, I'm sure most most Americans are familiar with your story, and we're not going to go through. We can. My can name listen. is Louis C.K. Yeah. I just won a Grammy. I yeah. masturbated in front of a lot of women. I'm very successful, um, and my life is great. I'm so glad that I finally booked you. I know. You sound <laughs> a lot like Jamie Kilstein, which is a little weird, but I'm just gonna. Yeah, Louis. We're all self hating. Great comics. to have you. On. We're all okay, self hating comics. Just so you. people know, your cancellation it was really stupid. It had to do with like, and just it, it was like your personal life got dragged out into the public it was very disproportionate yeah it was well and especially what's crazy is i'll have friends bring up to me that and and i'll say what happened briefly i gotta figure out like a fucking elevator pitch for my demise i mean they can go back and listen to the our previous conversation oh yeah 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 Yeah, guys do me a do me a solid if you fucking google it can you click on some other shit to get that off the front page please that would be awesome can you just like click on like my fucking facebook or something but it's really dumb i mean it's real. i have to say i don't even really understand why well, it it's was because anything. I was a self-righteous, progressive, cancel-y feminist. Oh, that's right. You were hoisted on your own petard. That's so right. it was that. Yeah. So, but what's fucked up, and I still think this is fucked up for women, where it's like, you can't conflate a breakup with emotional abuse, one night stands with predatory behavior, and a consensual affair with sexual misconduct. Because, you know, you know, the amount of people who support me, like, I finally have a fucking lawyer who's doing this shit for free. You know why? Because she is a female who has actually been in an abusive relationship, who has actually prosecuted fucking sex criminals. And she's like, this is fucking bullshit. This is bullshit. And the people who still try to get me canceled are not concerned women. They're literally two fucking psychopath stalkers who have been doing this shit for years. And they're using essentially the cancellation movement and something that is important. Like it is important for fucking women to get justice if they've been fucking assaulted or stalked or abused or whatever. And they're just using that for their own bullshit agendas because they're fucking bored. And, you know, I mean, one of the people is a guy who has had women go to the police about him and he has gotten me canceled using a progressive feminist Wait, wait, wait. He has been accused by other women, but he is, he's sort of paying it forward. He's paying the cancellation forward. No one fucking knows, right? Like, and this was the problem when I tried to kind of take the high road and I didn't really defend myself. I mean, I was also suicidal and I disappeared for a year. But then when I came back, you know, if I wrote a book, I almost want to ironically write it called From Feminist to Freedom Fighter and just booked myself on Fox News and I would be a bazillionaire. I would be running for president and I would win. And me and my friend Barack Obama. And fucking, 
I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a right wing version or an anti feminist. No, version I know of we who talked I about was this on the left. Last time. Exactly, yeah, it's, it's and, hard. And yeah. so, but I didn't have that killer title last time. I think I think last time I used the title uh, "Why I Left the Left and Why the Right Is Right," which oh, also, a but billion. not like from cuck to patriot. From, <laughs> it could just be me wrapped in an American flag, sadly watching my wife fuck some dude. Yeah. I well, mean, guys, look, that's a, I think that's probably a whole genre s- sponsored by Tesla um, and Manscaped. Uh, yeah. So essentially, yeah, dude, I mean, I had I had an affair and um, the the woman I had an affair and it was like a two year thing. And I was thought I was in love with her and I was fucking depressed and it was all this thing. And I remember she said once I tried to break up with her and she said once um, again, I'm starting to say stuff that I didn't say before because now I'm like, I literally have nothing to lose. I might as well defend myself and try to make a living. She goes, if you break up with me, I'm going to write a book about this one day. And I go, I'm not famous enough for a book, but I was famous enough for a blog. And it worked. <laughs> and she was right. And it, yeah. And so my life fell apart. And, you know, my friends will say, dude, there are so many comics out there who have been accused of rape and they're still like playing clubs. And I'm like, well, one, I don't want to be in that category. Like, I shouldn't even be like, I, they're right, by the way, they're right. And mine was so. I mean, I lost all my fans in one day, right? So, like, no matter what you think of Louis or Crystalia or all those stories, it's like they had a rock solid group of fans. So, yes, they were accused of something worse than me, but they could still put asses in seats where my fans were just a bunch of fucking pussy progressives who are giving their marching orders and will now like DM me and they're like, hey, bro, like, I'm glad to see you're back. Like, I used to listen to Citizen Radio or whatever. Oh, so they're secretly coming around. So are, yes. are all those progressives? See, okay. So not do you feel all like of them, but I mean, there some is of them a are. shift. Do you sense a, a tide shift? I sense a tide shift, and you know what's frustrating, and I don't know if you've gotten this talk from like industry people, is they're like, "Hey, dude, you're like a fucking you're you're ahead of the curve. You should just talk about bringing people together and all the like everything you're talking about. How people are getting sick of tribalism. How people are getting sick of extremism." You know, you can be the guy and it's like, well, right. But a lot of times those guys, it's like they can pave the way a little bit. But also, I don't want to starve. <laughs> like, I well, want I know. to I, so, like, now. I, I have had this talk, but never with industry people. I haven't had a conversation with industry people in uh, quite a while now. I don't. Yeah. I, um, I mean, have you I ever seen um, industry person? Is. Have you ever seen the Mark Duplass? the filmmaker Mark Duplass, he has this old South by Southwest talk called the Calvary isn't coming. And it's no, essentially, but I love of, him. He's the best. Go, go watch. I watched it again yesterday and it's all about, you know, you make shit on your own and then you get some hype and this has happened to me and industry comes to you and they say, we're going to help you. And then they just either water it down or again, the Calvary isn't coming. So then just make other things by yourself and create this army of talented artists and just like do the shit yourself. I mean, we're seeing this with a great example is Shane Gillis, who got canceled from Saturday Night Live for something he said on his podcast. And he didn't go full extremist right wing. He just stayed funny and he put out a special and it was hysterical and it trashed the left and the right. And he's just one of the best comics in the world and funny one. Now he is selling out huge fucking theaters. He is doing like all the biggest shows. He fucking, you know, is like, ringside UFC hanging out with Nate Diaz. Like, I mean, the dude is killing it and he just, he did what, I mean, honestly, I should have done, which is he just fucking stayed strong and he stayed out there. And, 
you know, he defended himself. I think with me, because it had to do with sex and I already had such sort of shame around sex from relationships, from whatever, that I just didn't want to talk about it. I didn't, you know, the idea that someone would think that, you know, because I was in my 20s, because I was in a failing marriage, because I made mistakes, which of course I made mistakes. I'm not going to defend you know, I shouldn't have had an affair. I should have fucking got out of my marriage. I, you know, th- I made so many mistakes. I just, anytime the word sex came up or whatever, the idea that someone would think I am something I'm not, right? I can be dumb. I can make mistakes, but like a fucking predator, like what a gross, horrible thing to have said about you. I mean, I don't know if I've joked about this publicly, but I've, <laughs> I've had, I mean, this happened in my last relationship, but I've, or I remember the first, when I got canceled, I was in a relationship. We broke up like a year later. And the first sort of like fling I had afterwards in LA, she goes to me, uh, she goes to me the next morning. She goes, I just want to thank you for, you know, being so respectful and patient. And, you know, I felt really safe last night. And in my head, I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can you go send that to Jezebel.com, please? Um, you know, I mean, fucking. She might not even have known what Jezebel was. And then you brought it to her attention. It's always like, but like, you know, I do feel this way. We're talking eight years later and I'll have a woman be like, thanks for being respectful. Or I felt really safe or whatever. And I, my brain, I just, it just, I go, oh, see, you are a good person. Like, it's so fucked up. So, And the thing is, if this, if it was like 30 years ago or 20 years ago and anybody could have had an affair and it would have like made a mess in their personal lives, but they would have moved on. People have ha- people have affairs all the time. They always have. They always will. It, you know. And to be honest, I mean, I think I finally want to write about this stuff and do stand up about it because it shouldn't be something to be proud of. But it also, we are fucking up relationships. Marriage is really hard. Relationships are really hard. Like good people have cheated. I fucking Martin Luther King. Guys, I'm not saying I'm like Martin well, Luther King. Well, I think King. he's canceled, actually. He, he he is. He is. We are going to, on this podcast, we are going to cancel Martin Luther King. Well, no, he's already been canceled, I think. Has he? Be- be- yeah, I think I think in certain corners. Are you talking about because- being assassinated? Are you mixing up those two words? Oh, that's yeah, that was. actually, so he that's was, what I meant. He, he, he was, was No, he was. Um, <laughs> no, I think he's been kind of canceled in certain corners for being a womanizer. I mean, but so like basically every... Well, then Every, I'm, I'm fucked then. I mean, any anybody who ascends to any kind of power is going to have a personality type that's going to make them more likely to do something like that anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, like I'll tell you, uh, I mean, since all that happened, it's like the idea of cheating, the idea of even, you know, I remember I, I, I dated someone who was very jealous and warned me about it. Like literally on our first date, she was like, sometimes I get jealous often of nothing, and occasionally I've been violent. And I'm like, I'm in. Let's do it. She's uh, been violent. She told you she was violent. Oh, yeah, straight up. Straight and that up. was that like a turn on or? No, I was just kind of like, I'll, I'll, I'll take what I can get. You know, it was like right after that shit happened. And I was just like, whatever, man. And uh, one of my, like, one of my c- celeb friends in LA was like, if only people knew you were in an actually abusive relationship while you were being accused of being emotionally abusive. And I was like, yeah, buddy. It's uh, it's not fun. Not the most fun. Yeah, you know, I again, uh, we probably shouldn't dwell on this because I'm going to post this in a few weeks. But the 
Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is going on, and I actually have not been following it. I haven't been following I, it either. I, I, I want somebody to just do like a highlight reel, so I, can, I just want the trailer so I can understand the whole thing. This is exactly but, what I want. But too. I suspect something it's, about pooping it's, in bed is all I've caught. Yeah, but was it like a person or was it a cat? I noticed that cat turd was trending. Was that <laughs> related or was that something else? Who knows. Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad you're not following that either because I feel like I would be very interested in that. It's very much in my lane, um, but I just don't have the bandwidth. I'm just going to talk in the most basic bitch metaphors right now. I don't have the bandwidth for it. So, okay. We have a lot to cover. I want to, the relationship thing is really interesting. I also want to talk about your podcast, how you're feeling about your career, because we had a, a great exchange back on the fall, just about this idea of how you how you take the high road and how you don't like, you know, become the person who's going on Fox all the time, but also don't, it's like, if, if you're trying to be nuanced, it's a bad business model. Well, terrible news. I've changed my mind about the high road. <laughs> you're, you're not, are you, what, are you not, you're on like no, the middle, I, middle road. I'm on the, the, <sighs> the high glad- road is the middle lane, not to be, Super confusing. No, and I'm and I'm glad we're talking about this because everything that we said, that's why people reached out to me after our podcast is essentially we were talking about, if you guys didn't hear it, about how even the term tribalist was becoming a tribe and that even a lot of the sort of like we're above tribalism tribe, their tribe became we have to call out the other tribes as voraciously as they're calling out us. And they were still doing the exact same shit, right? Like pulling quotes, like trying to almost cancel tribe people. And it's like, okay, we're all hypocrites. We're all doing the same. And where me and you, I think got a lot of love was saying how you should be able to live in gray and and nuance and call out both sides, but not have that define you. I mean, I'm still way more fucking liberal than I am. I mean, I remember when like I did Glenn Beck and they were all so nice to me and I just go, man, maybe I am right wing. Maybe just because these people were nice. And I remember I was like super broke and I was living in LA and my apartment was like covered in fleas. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch some like Ben Shapiro on YouTube. People say good things about him. And I like typed in Ben Shapiro and I watched for like 30 seconds and I go, nope, I'm, I'm not, I'm not this. And I closed my computer and was like, ah, fuck. And so all of that I'm proud of, right? I'm proud of the fact that I didn't become the like women are whores guy or fucking, although again, again, I know people who do it and not only are they fucking financially, but they are just getting but fucking laid. the women laid, are whores guys. Those, those are, right. we, the women are whores guys get laid. Well, but the incels are also women are whores guys and they don't get laid. So I feel like there's some, there's some gradations of women. That is, that is true. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be the, not the school shooter one. I want to be the, the get laid one. Okay. <laughs> Let me be that one. Um, guys follow me on Instagram at the Jamie kill scene. Okay. But what I realized was, and I would love, God, I would love your take on this. The problem with going all high road, right. By being like, <laughs> I'm going to take, don't the you want to go full high road? Yeah. So you're saying full don't high go full, road. Don't go full high road. Well, full high road was me being like, so I have a therapist. <laughs> I have a therapist. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you're in therapy, actually. I, yeah, it's going great. Um, I have a therapist and she was a like feminist studies major or minor or something, but like big old feminist. Read what happened to me, watched my Rogan and was like, this is fucking trash. Oh, so she older? Is she like a second wave feminist? 
No, she. I think she's a little younger than me, but she like studied them. But yeah, and yeah, because she she actually told me that she studied the old school feminists that essentially were like, hey, if you actually want to treat women like equals, don't treat them like they're little fucking babies who can't make decisions on their own. And she's awesome. And she literally said to me, she goes, part of the reason you're having relationship issues, part of the reasons that you get insecure, part of the reasons, yo, the stuff I actually do do, codependent, the stuff I do do wrong in relationships. She goes, I think that you have never expressed true disdain for the women who have fucked you over because you have been fucked over because I was in that feminist world for so long. And again, I thought I was being such a good guy that I took all the blame myself. I didn't say, well, this fucking woman did this or like this relationship did this or my fucking mom did that. Like I would always find ways to take the blame. And I thought it was me being like this like chivalrous hero, right? In, when in reality, it's like, no, man, just like guys can be fucking shitheads, women can be shitheads and women can do shitty stuff. And, uh, but instead I was like internalizing all that, which is super. Yeah, you're like the white me. fragility of men. That's what it was. It was. It's that. like a struggle. You were having a struggle session on behalf of all men. A hundred percent. Hashtag all men. Hashtag all, all capitalized. And so but what I realized, so yeah, you know, I'm glad I didn't like just fucking start like railing, like railing on women or whatever. But I also do wonder, you know, I thought taking the high road was, you know what? I'm going to stop talking about politics. I'm going to make comedy videos. I'm going to talk about mental health on my podcast. I'm going to, you know, make jujitsu comedy, like shit like that. And these fucking lunatics would still come after me and I would still get canceled taking the fucking high road. But you know what I wasn't doing? Building an audience, building a sustainable fucking career because I was trying to take the fucking high road. And so I think I can still be a decent person. I can still attack these issues with empathy. I can still not be tribal, not go full right wing. But at the same time, I wonder if I... If I'm being honest with myself, I think a lot of this, I'm going to take the high road was also me being fucking scared, me being scared that if I fucking say something defending myself, that there will be, uh, that I'll trend on Twitter again, or there'll be, um, blowback or someone from the left is going to come after me or someone's going to make something up about me. But then I, and then I wouldn't be able to handle it. I'd fucking kill myself. But then I'm like, these motherfuckers are doing it anyway. So why can't I talk about politics? Why can't I be a little louder? Why can't I be on fucking Twitter? Why can't I be calling out bullshit on both sides and building an audience? But that is taking the high road. So uh, I'm curious, what what is your experience of the high road versus whatever this other road is? Because I'm not actually sure now that I think about it, like how I would define the high road. I'm just trying not to get into fights on Twitter. And but again, maybe... I'm losing audience because I'm too. Yeah. Like, so composed. this other road has only been happening for two weeks. And it essentially is when I threw myself back. Hey, I do relationships fast. I fucking flee to Hawaii fast. I do. Uh, I, I, I do road changes fast. I, it was when I threw myself back in comedy and I realized that, Hey, I'm allowed to make jokes about what happened to me. I'm allowed to make art about what happened to me. I don't have to just bury it and hope it goes away. You know, I was on I was on some show the other day. It's not it's not even funny, but it made me so happy. I was on the sh- some show the other day 
And they like thanked me. They were like, we're so glad you're back around. We're so glad you're doing comedy again. And I was like, you can thank the Me Too movement for that. And like, I would have never made that joke because it would have just been like, it is shameful. I cannot make oh, fun of I that movement. Oh, I think that's a great joke to make. You can but you, but make you that know what joke I'm on like, the high road. That, that kind of shit, I didn't do. I was still very much, you know, I thought that the only two options were being ousted progressive who is never allowed to talk about politics again or right-wing woman-hating sociopath. And with comedy, just like you with writing, like with with art, you know, my friend, he gave me my first TV appearance and he goes, Jamie, every time something happens, whether you get canceled, whether you have a breakup like I just did, he goes, you run away from comedy. You go to Hawaii, you disappear, you get off social media. As an artist, that is the time you need to go more into it. You need to go farther into it. And I didn't do it because I felt like such a fucking failure. I mean, when I went to New York last week to do shows and do press, I was just walking around the city and I was like, this is the greatest fucking city in the world. But I convinced myself that I hated New York because I associated it with divorce, failure, you know, cancellation, all this stuff. And I was just like, no, dude, you have been running from defending yourself. You've been running from success because again, you're afraid you don't, you know, I would always say, I don't want to be known as that guy, but it's like, well, until I do something about it, I am going to be known as that guy. So I might as well be fucking known as that guy who is also succeeding, who is also helping people, who is also telling people that, Hey, we all fuck up. And you know what? No matter who on Twitter says that there's no path for forgiveness, there is. And there has to be, or else you're going to go fucking crazy. And so stop caring what these fucking psychopaths say about you and just focus on how you can be the best person you are. And you know, a girlfriend said to me last night, she was like, you know, the person you are, they can't touch you. Who cares if they say the shit about you? That's not true. You know who you were or who you are. And I think that sounds like such obvious cliche advice, but I spent years defining myself as, well, I'm the piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. And so that's who I was. So when people would call me a piece of shit, I would go, yep, that adds up. That charts. Yeah, it's always the thing that you secretly, when you secretly think they're right, that's when you get really upset. If somebody accuses you of something that that you have absolutely no doubt you are not, then it doesn't matter. People call me a transphobe and I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. So we're moving well, on. And that's, you know, I, I I've said this. I don't know if I've said it publicly because it sounds very bad, but it's almost like if I was accused of like rape, then I could go, well, I didn't do the rape. Here's my evidence that I'm not a rapist, right? Like it's a horrible thing, but here's the evidence. And then suddenly they go, oh, Jamie's not a rapist. That's the article, right? But when it's just all of these weird fucking vague terms yeah. and no, vague, you. Uh, you know, one-sided out of context you know, whatever, it's almost, it's harder to defend that. Like you not knowing you're, you know, you just being like, yeah, I'm not transphobic. Like that's so powerful, right? But me just being like, well, I'm just kind of vaguely being called a piece of shit. And I guess I am a piece of shit. So what's there to defend? Yeah, I, I think what you're getting at is just the sort of baseline epistemic humility that we all deal with. I mean, I get, yeah, I mean, the, the essence of what I try to talk about on this show and sort of how I always write and think is just sort of leaning into the not knowing, right? So, it, you know, it's all about how 
I'm confused about this or that. And I'm inviting my audience to kind of come along with me as we sort through it and think about it. And there's no real definitive answer. So when you're kind of in that gestalt of uncertainty, if someone then accuses you of being not having empathy or being or 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 not taking enough of a side or not being uh, to being a squish or not committing to one point of view or the other that does stick in my craw because they're kind of right but at the same time I don't know that there's an alternative if that makes any sense and that gets back to you know like I said on on a podcast I was a guest on recently you know the I don't know show doesn't get a lot of downloads, right? And what's so fucking frustrating, I was about to compliment you before you said that, is it should be fucking revered. You know what I mean? I I remember when I used to go on MSNBC, I would get so many messages afterwards because I would be on panel. And if someone said something that I didn't know, I'd go, oh, I never thought about it that way. And you would just hear like, like breaks. Right. We gotta people, go, we gotta go to commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the network shuts down. They just take take down the cardboard the t- set pattern. <laughs> yeah, right. like it, like the place on fire. We gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it, it it was wild because you're supposed to go on those news shows like a politician. You have your talking points, and if they bring something up that doesn't align with your talking point. You know, if they're like, well, you said that you wanted uh, a free uh, abortions at Trader Joe's, you're like, well, we could talk about that or we could talk about what the people want, which is income tax or whatever your fucking premeditated talking. Can you imagine was. what the Trader Joe's name would be for like the abortion? food? Uh, you know how they have like Trader Jose's for the Mexican food? It would be like, I don't know. It would be Trader. This is good, Jamie. I'm teeing you up. We can we can circle back to this. This I think this is. I was just material. thinking that the abortion would be very hard to find at Trader Joe's because well, I you have, could not get a parking space for yeah, for starters. By the time par- you found a parking space, you would be giving birth. And then you'd be like, yeah, you'd be like, is it in the medical section? They're like, no, 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 no. It's with the soups. And you're like, why would you fucking do that? It's like because we're fucking tra- we're wacky. We got wacky shirts. Can you imagine getting an abortion with someone wearing a Trader Joe shirt? That's all. Trader Trader Row Trader Row versus Wade. That's. See, it's Trader. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's it. It's Trader Rovers. Trader Rovers. Trader Roe v. Wade. <laughs> I can imagine where it would be. It would be like kind of where the where it starts to be the wine section. This is exactly it goes from what like I, yep. like pet food, and then suddenly it's wine. I think the abortion could like just slip nicely between those two. Eyes. By the way, this is what I miss. <laughs> like, this is what I miss, and this is what I was talking about with high road stuff or I miss being able to tell that fucking Martin Luther King joke that we did or this bit that we did and not be like, what is this side going to think? Or what if someone, it's fine. Everyone is fucking fine. And you know, what's been really fucking cool about being kind of removed from, you know, LA and New York and certainly from like Twitter yelling is I've just been hanging out with people from like Hawaii on farms, Arizona, Texas and the majority of people, they're us. They just don't have time for podcasts because they have lives and they're happy. No offense. Uh, feel sorry for them. I know. It's the worst. The fucking worst. So I don't know. I think like essentially there's a difference between the high road and running. And I think I was running. Um, the idea of me, you know, I had a very controversial Twitter person was like, hey, if you want to write about what happened to you. And I was like, no fucking way. 
No fucking way. But at this point, I've almost been fucking homeless this month. And it's been eight years from having a fucking affair. And the fact that like, I still didn't want to have my lawyer do anything. I still didn't want to talk about it on podcasts. I still, when it's like, no, I think at this point, I, it, it doesn't make me a fucking incel to be like, Hey dude, uh, what happens to women are, is bad. But also if you're saying cancel culture isn't real, it's been eight years since I fucking had an affair and I'm almost homeless. You know yeah. what I mean? And although, that's bullshit. Yeah. Although is, are these two separate issues? Because I did not have an affair and I don't consider myself canceled and I'm also almost homeless. But you're so. on the, oh, why don't we just room it together in New York <laughs> and do a podcast? I, well, I know. I don't actually, uh, you you emailed me because you were in New York a few weeks ago because you I thought was. I was there, but now I'm in LA. Oh, that's right. But yeah. You fucking trash person. Um, but you're on the canceled, you're canceled adjacent is what I would call you. Oh, thanks. Oh, really? I God. mean, kind of like you are in that. Like, ooh, is this going to rock the boat if we hire her? Oh, see, okay, because I think I'm imagining that. I, I'm like one of these people. I always think that, um, like, if I start to have those feelings, I'm like, Jesus, Megan, don't be such a narcissist. Like, they're not thinking about you enough to like not invite you to something. They just forgot about you. No, they're cowards. <laughs> We're gonna pause here for a short message from me. Are you appreciating this conversation and wishing there were more like it out there? Well, there are lots more right here. I do this show every week and I pretty much do it all by myself. That is why, as much as I'm loath to ask for help, people who know me know this, I am offering this gentle reminder that if you value honest, thoughtful, nuanced conversations with all kinds of people, novelists, scientists, philosophers, comedians, journalists, sometimes even just regular folks with something interesting to say, I hope you'll consider supporting the show in any way you can. One way to do this is by joining our Patreon community at patreon.com slash the unspeakable. You can join for as little as $5 a month. That gives you early and ad-free access to the show or for as much as $100 a month. And yes, people have done that. There are lots of perks at every level, including if you join at the $10 a month tier or higher, the chance to join our bi-weekly hangout where we, and that includes me, get together on Zoom to talk about a recent specific episode of the show. Joining at that level also gets you discounts on your first purchase of official Unspeakable Podcast Nuanced AF merchandise. If Patreon is not your thing, you can also make a one-time donation in any amount by going to the podcast webpage at theunspeakablepodcast.com and clicking the donation button. This podcast is a one-woman enterprise. I'm not affiliated with any institution, media company, secret investment cabal, or anything like that. I do it because I love it. And if you love it, or even like it, I hope you'll consider supporting it in any way that makes sense for you. Leaving a positive rating or review wherever you get your podcasts is a big help, actually. And telling people about the podcast, sharing it with friends, just spreading the word actually means more to me than anything. So thank you for listening to the show, for making the unspeakable worth speaking. And with that, back to the interview. I got canceled from this really big project and the, you know, the person I was doing something with, they have like millions of followers and 
their management was like, hey, you know, I read it and I think it's bullshit. And you know what? If I'm being honest, my wife read it too. And she thinks what happened to you was bullshit. But also, <laughs> we can't work with you. And I was like, well, tell your wife I say thank you. And there's this thing where it is, because I'm probably more in the same boat you are. You know what I mean? Like even, even you jokingly using the term me too is feels like too much for what I did. And, but it's like, we're not powerful enough. We don't have that Jordan Peterson audience. We don't have that Louis CK audience. It's like, we're not powerful enough to take a risk on where even if we hadn't said risky things, or even if we hadn't, do we still have enough pull to put butts in seats? Maybe. But then you take that maybe and you go, Ooh, and we might get a complaint. Or See, and this, people might I say know, we're transphobic. Right. It's not, it's exactly, it's not, it's not worth it. But that's why we all have to get together under one umbrella. I know. Under one tent. This is what I don't understand. Well, I do understand because people say constantly, I'm sure they say this to you too, like, why not you and Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss and, you know, Jesse Single and Katie Herzog, why don't you all be in one media company so we don't have to pay for your individual sub stacks and Patreons? It's like, well, yeah, that would be great, but it's, it's not worth it to Matt Taibbi and Andrew Sullivan. They're making gobs of money on their own. So there's a there's a business model flaw here. I mean, you could do a kind of like the outsiders. You could do a sort of like, okay, like Taibbi. junior varsity. We could just be like the B team. Yeah, like we can like yeah, like a little a little Mighty Ducks, a little you know the replacements, a little like you know Taibbi because. I mean, the thing about us too is we're accessible. And so, you know, we can be more community focused. Whereas, you know, Taibi and Greenwald and Barry, they're so big. You know, I'll have Barry write me like a DM that's like super nice and super. And I'm like, oh, all right. I guess I'm about to fucking go on her show or podcast. And then I just don't hear from her for whatever because she's so busy. And so, um, and everybody who has ever been canceled is probably DMing her like, help me, help me. And, the but like you put me you and some other people kind of like on our tier together to make like a transformer super tier and what we have that those people you're gonna say a transphobic super tier a transphobic it's just a bunch of fucking transphobes pile on top of each other the transformer yeah yeah and just becomes a, a a swastika shape um let's just fucking burn all the bridges and the you know, you do that and we're accessible. Like, Hey, on our podcast, we are actually going to like involve the community or answer your guys' questions or, you know, stuff like that. Whereas, you know, Taibi and those guys may, may not have time to essentially what I'm saying is like four of us equals one Taibi. And so you just get four of us and then you start putting out killer content and all of our audiences are different enough that like it could add up to a you know, whatever. And then we go on shows and we talk about this sort of collective, right? Like maybe I do write for, you know, Taibi or Greenwald. Maybe you go on Katie and Jesse's show and we're all just hitting it from this different angles. And it's like, hey, we come join us at the semi-canceled collective or whatever the fuck mm, our name or is. Or just like at somebody's house because that's how accessible we are. Yeah, seriously. Are you saying that you would go on a date with somebody? Like how how accessible is accessible? Oh, I mean, I'll, uh, judging by my track record, I'll fucking move in with them too soon. And then we can be talking about our breakup in a year from now on our podcast. 
Do you have a lot of women like trying to pick you up? I guess if you're on in comedy, because I had this conversation with a male friend once who, you know, writes is is also an author and he and you know, frankly, I mean, he's he's a brilliant writer, but he's like not very well known as he would also say. He said he has women picking him up on book tours all the time and at readings, random teeny tiny bookstores, coffee shops. I have never had a guy try to pick me up when I have been yeah, on book tour. I, and I have um, been on many book tours in multiple, multiple cities. Never. You should start fucking uh, just me too and guys. But this is gendered. No, I think that, well, I think that women, they gravitate towards like smart, funny. I don't think guys are like hot for chick authors or not to the point where they would I mean, I think it is. Maybe you just actually cultivated a, a respectful <laughs> audience. I will say, uh, especially in this day and age, I certainly don't make first moves. I oh have, yeah, not now. Yeah, right. But I'm talking ever. <laughs> but yeah, I um. But to be fair, I don't get hit on. No, that's not true. I actually, I have been getting hit on more recently. Um, really? Yeah. I, well, I think there's a. I mean, what's funny is. After this comedy press tour I did, it's the most I've gotten hit on by like fucking gorgeous women. And I've been talking about what happened to me. Yeah, see, and exactly. I thought it would be because the you're fucking authentic. opposite. No, 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 no. Because people can smell that on you, authenticity. And yeah, because you're not being, you're not bullshitting. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Whereas I thought if I talked about it, it would like repel women. Right. I think, you know, for me and, and maybe your friend too, I don't. I'm not necessarily, although this, I did get hit on last night at a bar. Um, I was going to say, I don't get hit on. Like, I'm not someone that a girl would like double take, like walking by, like, ooh, five, seven. Like, um, but I am, I think because, you know, a lot of writers or comics, we are vulnerable. We are very. Oh, yeah. They think they know you. Absolutely. I think that's the, and I, a lot of times. Just like women will get used, let's say for sex, what I've noticed is I've attracted a lot of women who have sort of fallen for this emotional, you know, oh, the artist guy who's going to rescue me from my corporate job and we're going to blah, 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 blah. And then just like the guy may get tired of the girl, the, the woman who's attracted to, you know, this manic pixie dream boy stereotype of Jamie will be like, oh, this is harder than I thought. Oh, you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. People think they like that. People think they want that. But yeah, they, they don't. You know, don't. and I, yeah. I, I think that was part of, and I don't think you should mind me saying this. I think that was part of what happened in my last relationship. You know, we both fell in love with this idea. You know what I mean? I fell in love with this like quiet life in a house. And oh, I'm taking out the recycling like a husband. And she fell in love with, you know, quitting her shitty job and like doing more art stuff. And she was really talented. And she was like, you're the first person who's given me a chance to, you know, be artistic. But wait a second. She needs to be with a business guy who's going to pay the bills while she does that. See, this is what people don't understand. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, who the fuck knows? But like, I mean, she even told me recently, she was just like, yeah, I think I actually do fit a more kind of boring, plain life. And I like it. And 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 good. Good for her. Um, and And I don't know what I want. You know, there's part of me that I think I've attracted women who have really wanted that. But I do wonder if, like, I actually need to find just some badass fucking artist or, like, some chick who plays in a band or who gets it. Or, you know, do I want the opposite? Do I want 
you know, a, a, a Southern conservative housewife who, you know what I mean? Like, I have no might. fucking I idea. Feel, I mean, you know, I had a fascinating conversation with um, two women on on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it was hilarious more than anything. Um, Chayalea Suffren and Yael Bartor, they have a podcast called Ask a Jew, which is hilarious. And Chayalea is, is Hasidic. And she has, she grew up in the Hasidic community. She's like been married to this. I mean, she was in an arranged marriage. She's been with this guy forever and she's incredibly insightful. And she was saying, you know, what you realize with in the community is that you don't have to get every single thing from your partner. You know, people in the secular world always say my, my, my partner, my spouse is my soulmate. They're my world. They're everything to me. And like, that's, completely infantile like it's not realistic and it's it's actually limiting like you have to understand that you get certain things from your partner and then you get other things from your friends or your colleagues or your you know and book club I, I, whatever I've been so guilty of that where i just it's very american i mean it's totally like it's just it's it's not your fault we all we we get fed this stuff like in romantic comedies and that's what I grew up on. I mean, I grew up, I have a whole stand-up bit about how I can't date women in their 20s anymore, even though I just did. And um, because they grew up on hardcore porn and I grew up on romantic comedies and I have like a whole fucking, <laughs> a whole section on that about how it just shaped. They're like, trying to choke you? Is that what you're saying? I mean, that, that, that that's it. It's literally just like, I brought roses and she's like, choke me. And I'm like, that's illegal. Like, it's literally just me being confused about that. There's a bit about how the edgiest thing my generation did was reverse cowgirl, where it's like, ooh, she's on top of backwards. That's the dance of the devil. And now girls in their 20s are going to be like, when I come punch me in the face and I'll call you grandpa or you're gay. And you're like, what the fuck? Uh, but it is, I mean, it's different worlds. And I mean, I'm in this opportunity now. What I'm, I mean, going way back to the beginning of the podcast with the breakup is, you know, and a friend just told me this, and maybe it's a little too like woo woo for your audience, but kind of like, hey, man. I'm trying you, to cultivate a more woo audience because oh, I think there's a lot Where of them. Where it's like, you didn't know what you wanted to do with your life. And you met Amy and you go, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. But because you didn't know what you were doing, you attracted someone else who didn't know what they were doing. And there is something about that. There is something about now that I am like, I know what I want. Like, I'm going to fucking do what I've been doing since I was 17 that I kept fucking running away from. I ran away from it after my divorce. I ran away from it after fucking I got canceled. You know, Robin Williams was like the dude telling me, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. And then he died and I fucking quit. And I ran away from it, you know, with this breakup. And I went to Hawaii, like all this stuff. And it's like, dude comedy is the thing that at your best, you were the best that you were the best at being a fucking artist. You were the best at being a comedian. And, you know, now that I'm going after that, there is part of me that, you know, it, it made the breakup a lot fucking easier. You know, I'm finally not like pining over her. You know, I still think about her and stuff like that, but I'm like really happy and I'm, I'm happy. I'm way happier going to New York and doing shows than, you know, staying at home wondering if, fucking she's going to call me or whatever. And, and I'm trying not to plan because there is part of me that's like, okay, I should be single for two years and just focus on comedy. And then there's another part of me that's like, well, this girl I'm talking to is really nice. Maybe I should just like lock that down. And then there's another part of me that's like, well, maybe I can find just like casual sex on the road, but like, oh, then I'm going to have to explain the fucking Jezebel shit. And I'm just like, dude, stop thinking about fucking all of that. 
realize what a gift it was that you had this breakup and that the breakup pushed you back into comedy, which you would have never done. I would have never done that comfortable at home with Amy. No fucking way. No fucking way. I had to rock bottom again. But how are you spending your time? What does comfortable at home mean? I mean, all I'm doing, like, I have to hustle. I have two months to be able to make a fucking solid living where I can, you know, afford to live, right? So literally all day I am locked away and I am writing and I am booking podcast guests and I'm promoting and I'm making videos. So that's what you were doing when you were with her is what you're saying. Uh, When I was with her, we were either like fighting or having sex. But I mean, so wait, 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 because I want to understand this, like the domestic life, you were, you said you weren't doing comedy. You I weren't wasn't being going creative. Out so, shows. like, what? I, I don't understand. Were you working like a straight job? Like, what, no, no, what no, was no, it? no, 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 no. Obviously we, not. But we yeah. were, we were like podcasting together, and you know, I didn't, I wasn't paying the rent I was paying before because I'm like at her house. Oh, um, I see. And so I everything see, was yeah. comfortable, and so I wasn't doing shows. And she, and to her credit, she wanted me to do shows. She wanted, she was trying to be supportive. And I was like, no, I'd rather stay home and hang out with you. Like it was just the bullshit I've done my entire fucking life. I mean, I did that in my marriage in New York. I would just, we would stay home and watch Lost because I didn't want to go out. I was just comfortable. And now I'm so uncomfortable that within two weeks, I've made more, since this breakup, I've had more success in my career than I have had in the last eight years. Wow. So you should definitely get together with somebody immediately so you can put a stop to that. Throw it all away. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I was talking about. I interviewed, you know, we were talking about the Nicole Aniston, the porn star. And I was like, what's the difference between when you're like, oh, I'm so lonely or you just go, oh, wait, am I just fucking horny? And then she just goes, just jerk off. Just yeah. jerk off and you'll know. It's, it's good advice. It is good advice. I know a lot of, a lot of women I know have given men that advice. It's 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 amazing how what a revelation it is to, to men. Like, oh, I mean, oh yeah, I, I don't actually have to involve somebody else in this, in this fucking horniness. catastrophe. Yeah, no, but just you know. I mean, dude, I have run back to hotel rooms when there's like a girl that I'm like, I shouldn't sleep with her. I think she's crazy. And you jerk off, and the orgasm is twice as good because not only do you come, but you're also like, as you're coming, you're like, <gasps> like you just realize the fucking disaster you just yeah, averted. Yeah, it's like, and- is it like waking up from a, a dream and realizing that it's a dream? You're like, like waking up from a nightmare, yes. like. <gasps> Oh my God, that's not true. Like a nightmare where you did something really terrible. Oh, there's not a fucking and... stranger in my apartment who's going to say she's fucking pregnant in a month. Like, right, yeah, it, right, it's right. The best. That's hot. So, guys, lots of, uh, there's going to be lots of, lots of comedy coming for me and lots of masturbation, I think, for the next six months. Okay. So, you spend now, it sounds like you're, you spend, in the last two weeks anyway, you've spent your time the way I've spent the last two years, which is constantly hustling, dealing with the podcast telling myself I'm going to work on some larger project, um, but feeling like I'm working around the clock uh, for, for, for no money. But I've covered this. My, my audience has heard this before. So, yeah. Go join the Patreon audience. But it's good. Okay. But, you know, it's funny. You have – so you're like we're, – we're the opposite uh, personality types when it comes to relationships because I think I'm an attachment avoidant, whatever they call it, an avoidant. I like avoid relationships because I think they're going to – drag me down that's the fucking dream you're right to keep doing that i know it's unhealthy yeah but but it's kind of fucked up after a while it's okay it's cute in the beginning and then it's just like uh you know i remember i was giving a uh 
you know, this is the first year or since COVID was the first year that I actually started to have boundaries or say no to women. And, and I was starting for the first time in my life to display some avoidant behavior. And I remember I was watching some YouTube video. I'm like, are you avoidant or are you, what's the other one? Well, I think there's like several, there's avoidant, there's, um, well, there's one that's good. I don't, oh, I can't. I when I heard remember. that, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I literally, when they described it, I was just like, what kind of fucking pussy shit is that? Like, I know, yeah, it sounds so liter- basic. Literally so laughed out loud. Wait, so yeah, there's like attachment. Um, there's Well, there's one that's like codependent. It's, you know like insu- it, it's some it kind up, of like but- insecure. Right. It's like yeah. needy or some shit. Oh but yeah, I, there's I, the, I rem- one the opposite of that, right? Um, yeah. I remember I was, there was a period in time where I was displaying bad traits from both. And I was like, well, that's not fucking good at all. But yeah, I know what you mean. You know, I, I, uh, I don't want to go too far in that direction. Like, I'm glad that with all the shit I've been through, I still am kind of a romantic. Like, I'm glad I'm not jaded. I'm glad I'm setting healthy boundaries without like putting up unhealthy walls. I mean, shit, feminists should fucking love me. Cause if anyone should hate women at this point, it's, your pal Jamie and I have. Oh, not. I thought you were going to say feminists. Oh, yeah, um, but the you know, I still do want to believe in love. I still do want to believe in even not even just love, but like you know, me and Amy. Like it was really hard, and I was heartbroken, and you know, I felt betrayed at the end. But like, what a beautiful three months we had. You know, what a beautiful she felt safe and supported and I felt loved. And I was like, Oh my God, I can attract like beautiful women. I've been so self-hating. Like, so it's value added. It's, I mean, you're, you really, this is a net positive in your life. Yeah. One also, I learned that like, I wasn't ready. I thought I was ready. I learned that I wasn't putting career first. I thought I was, I learned that I wasn't putting myself first. I thought I was, um, I learned that I was still codependent and will still move too fast. I, you know, all this work I thought I did on myself because it's like, I meditate now. It's like, oh, I still wasn't fucking ready. And the way I spun it in the beginning was, oh, she was so perfect. She was everything I ever wanted. I finally had an out. I finally was going to be okay. And I blew it. And it's like, no, dude, that's like scarcity. That's saying that you needed someone else to survive. That's saying that she's the only girl that's going to be out there for you. Instead of like, no, this is a really beautiful, challenging couple of months. We both got a lot out of it. And now we move on and there is going to be other things, but holy shit, man, you have to prioritize yourself. And I think you have to, like I was saying, I, you know, realize that somebody who's exactly the same as you or even similar to you is probably not your ideal mate. I think people really forget that compatibility is very different from similarity. Yeah. You mean trauma bonding? Cause yeah, you get excited in the beginning where you're like, we're both this, we're both that, we're both this. I mean, that is kind of why I'm like, man, maybe I do just need like just a boring, sweet girl who's like, I'll have dinner ready for you at six. Well, seriously, I know. But then that I know, see this, it gets, but then you would probably be bored of that too, but it would help you. I mean, that's another thing that I'm fascinated by is like, if you, to be really successful. Okay. Let's think about this. Like the, the men that, you know, that are very professionally successful, do they tend to have those kinds of wives? Because the women that I know who are very, very professionally successful, they tend to have, um, they tend to be married to older men. And this is, I'm hugely generalizing. So people don't, don't write into me and yell at me, but often they are 
with older men who are on their second marriage and the men already have a family. They already did the whole thing with the first marriage and they're not threatened now by the second wife and she can have her career and he's like financially supportive and okay, you know, maybe they have their own kids, but those kids are going to have nannies. So you're saying what I need is a sugar, what I need is a sugar daddy. I'm not saying this guy's a sugar daddy. I'm not saying that. No, no, but I, but but you know what I'm saying? That makes so so much sense. I mean, all of my friends are telling me like, Hey bro, like date someone fucking your age. Well, how old are you anyway? You're not that old. I turn 40 next month. Oh, happy. But like my last girlfriend was 27. I mean, she was brilliant and she was successful and cool, but like, I dated that, a lot of 40-year-olds when I was 27. Yeah. I mean, I mean not not all the, the year I was 27, I dated like 27, 40-year-olds. <laughs> Crazy. You have to. No, I I went I always went out with older guys when I was young. And now that I'm older, it pisses me off when guys my age date 27-year-olds. It's like, well, funny. you know what? You you made your bed. You yeah. get, get <laughs> what you like, deserve. <laughs> but I've been thinking about that where it's like, yeah, just like someone who's fucking been through it and knows what they fucking want and, you know, isn't still figuring stuff out or isn't leaning on me like they know what they fucking want, you know, like, I mean, that I don't know if I've ever, I mean, my long relationships, I don't think have ever been that it was, you know, they were looking for something emotional and different and adventurous. And I was looking for what I was looking for, which is probably just like, just love, um, companionship, whatever. And it ended up being very much like follow Jamie, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'll lead. I'll, you know, let's do this art shit, like jump on the podcast or do this or whatever. And to me, I thought that was cool. I felt like it was me taking care of them. It was me, but it would just lead to suddenly overdoing everything together and it's codependent. And yeah, like maybe if I just met some like badass fucking woman who was like, no, I have a career, homie, (laughs) that I'm happy with. And, and then we both do our own thing and then we come together to kind of celebrate it or lift each other up or yeah just fucking zone out where it's like they get it when i go hey i gotta go do a fucking show and they're not even putting it but what if she wasn't interested in your show and what if she never listened to your podcast i I almost think that's better yeah because then you could say stuff about her yeah i mean i do anyway but like yeah um and and if she just like respects it and if something big happens like yeah she'll come and she'll be my date or whatever but I don't know if you want someone who is like, oh, but it's hard because it's like, okay, you don't want someone who's like a fan, right? But you also want someone who is a fan, like who will support you and is like, hey, I fucking love what you do. Or like, that was hilarious when you did this. And then you you get, you know, it would be cool to like pitch jokes to a partner. And yeah, I mean, that's what Amy and I were doing. Like we were- just I know, like, but see, this is, I I totally have been where you are, but I think what happens is- then you become reliant on their approval yeah. for your art. Like, you, like, you know, you're supporting each other in your art and you're doing these projects together. And then you want, you're taking care of her and encouraging her and her creative work, but that makes your creative work all enmeshed in hers. And Jesus it's, Christ. that won't yeah. work. No, that's what happened. <laughs> but, but it's also lonely when they're not interested in your work. It's it's such a catch twenty two. I think like the creative. I mean, I was always really interested in creative partnerships, like you know Jackson Pollock and Lee Kravitz 
or, you know, all those sorts of Steiglitz and Georgia O'Keeffe, but they always imploded and were terrible and they ended up being estranged and it seems very sexy and romantic if you read right. about it. I mean, Flea World Mac was fine, right? <laughs> ABBA, they very, ABBA had very amicable divorce that, you know, they, they, they made a new album recently. Do you realize that? And, and they're all divorced. It's very Scandinavian. Yeah. <laughs> they probably uh, live in some like, they probably live in some sort of like government subsidized modernist, like sleek apartment, you know? Yeah. Man, that, uh, yeah, that's a lot to fucking think about. But again, I think, I mean, that was, you're right. You're right. Like I have romanticized that so much. I mean, you know, what's really, maybe this is egotistical. Now, knowing that I'm on a comeback and knowing that I will be able to accomplish my dreams and that I'm not going to be this like pathetic fucking sad story and that I'm going to go hard after comedy and like be fucking successful again. There was part of me that what I loved about me and Amy is like she was meeting me at the beginning, you know, and that was my ex-wife too. Like we met when we had nothing. We met at a bookstore when I was 22 and that story is so fucking romantic where it's like, yeah, I know when I get fucking famous, I'll be able to, I mean, shit, since the breakup, I've had like 15 girls try to fuck me. Um, and some try to date me and it's been, wait, in the last since, like, weeks, few weeks, weeks, 15 girls tried to fuck you in the last two weeks. Hold on. I can actually, that's probably a hyperbolic. Oh, I thought you say, hold on. I have this written down. No, 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 no. But I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do some math. Like eight. Like eight? How do you know? Did they say so? Like, how did they approach you? Oh, well, we either did or uh, or they were very blunt or they got mad that I said no or they're planning a trip or. Yeah. Oh, nine. nine. Wow. Our yeah. lives are very different. Well, but also I've been saying no to most of them because I don't want fucking drama because I'm trying to you know, be respectful too. Like there are people who that they say they want something casual and I know they're lying. Um, and what my female friends will say is that's not your responsibility. That's their big girls. And then what well, I will say except they is might turn around me. and yeah. Well, also like if you, they might think you're going to help them in their career and then I mean, who you the might knows? jerk off into a plant and then Wait, am I conflating? That was, I think I just, the that, plant thing, just, that was Wein, Harvey Weinstein. Did that was you not just, uh, did you just white person me too racism? <laughs> Where you conflated Louis C.K. with, uh, with Harvey, Harvey Weinstein? Weinstein? You conflated uh, two yeah. chubby guys it's also, who masturbated also, in front of also anti, It was probably also anti-Semitic of me. Are they both Jewish? Is probably. Louis C.K. Jewish? I know I he's Mexican. I'm confused because there's something, he's Mexican. I don't know that he's Jewish. Anyway. Well, yeah, but the thing is, if they look up to you, see, this is your problem too, because if they look up to you in any way and they perceive a power differential, and of course they're attracted to the power differential, if then they feel betrayed by you or hurt or whatever, then they can pull that card. That's where you're in a jam. Not fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, that well, sucks. I, women don't have, I wouldn't have that. Like if somebody saw me as one thing or another, they would have to be pretty desperate to try to cancel me for making out with them. I would like to see that. I mean, actually. it'll be pretty I great. dare, I, I dare still think somebody listening to the sound of my voice try to hit on me and then try to cancel me. That'd be amazing. Then we have to start our canceled collective. That would be great if you were the first woman to really get me too'd. 
Just start. Well, a, just be I mean, fucking a didn't Aja Argento got me too? I don't know. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, that was fucked up. What I was gonna say is, oh, so I, I know that if I get famous again, I'll be able to fuck hot girls and probably get some cool girlfriend. But I think like the story in my head is, well, I don't want someone who's like using me for that, and I want to find the like ride or die that we, you know we succeed together. But that's also just like the ride or die is like very romantic comedy. Wait, what is that's that? Also what is that a reference to? Is that, I know I never heard that expression. Ride I mean, or I've die. Yeah. What does that mean? I mean, it just means like, Hey, no matter what, like we're fucking in this. Like if, if, if you're struggling, I got your back. If I, if someone fucking turns on you, like they're fucking dead. Like, it's oh, like just, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. hundred percent. Um, and, uh, but also I wonder if once again, I'm not giving women credit where it's like, I'm acting like anyone I date when I'm famous is going to be trying to, you know, ride my coattails when in reality, it's like, no, I could also be attracting just strong, successful, badass women because I'm a strong, successful, badass dude. And maybe I don't need someone right now when I'm climbing my way back up. Maybe what I need to be doing is getting fucking healthy and focusing on myself and hustling like that instead of this narrative of like me and her we're gonna ride off into the sunset and we're gonna come from nothing and then we're gonna you know make it but you're not coming from nothing see you're romanticizing even your own career wrong because you're not coming from nothing you're almost 40 years old you're not you're 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 like wanting to be like 22 again you're you, you're bringing a lot to the table not just baggage but achievement and well and and i and i audience about, and, I, and i forget about the achievement because I just go, well, I came back to Austin and I'm crashing with a friend because I don't have an apartment. You know what I mean? And it feels like I'm 22 again. But also, when I was 22, I was fucking hungry and I made shit happen. And, you know, I went from fucking living out of a car to being Robin Williams' favorite comic. And I know, but there wasn't Twitter then. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I was really productive when I was 22 because, like, there was nothing else to do. I got an audience from MySpace, though. MySpace was around when you were 22. Wow. Mm, maybe like 24. You're you're young. When I was 22, there was like we we did we had rotary telephones. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, th- we also had cordless phones, but you you know what I mean. There there were you, you could still find a rotary phone, you know. If you Can we do it. a podcast just called Kids These Days where we're Can just we do like, a podcast using rotary phones yes. as the like recording interface somehow? I mean, we could at least make that the intro music of just like like hearing right. that before the music kicks in, I think would right. be pretty awesome. I know. Uh, yeah. Somebody wisely said to me recently that I shouldn't talk about how old I am all the time. Why? Knocking yourself. I don't know. I tend to, I tend to do it. I don't. Cause, well, also I'm very interested in generational differences. Me so too. it comes up in that context, but. Um, I mean, maybe what they're saying is like, stop fucking being mean to yourself. But I think bringing it up for like I know, but I you know I am being mean to myself in a way, but I'm also actually very relieved. I'm so I don't like getting older, but I'm so happy to be the age that I am because I feel really sorry for young people now. I'm so glad that I was in my 20s in the 90s, and and I was you know did all sorts of dumb stuff and wrote stupid things. I mean you know you could make mistakes in private back then, but you could also make mistakes in public, and it all, didn't really matter that much. I mean I published some dumb shit, and it's not on the internet. Like it's just, it was a great time. And I I feel like I just sort of escaped as the, as, as everything, you know, I, I sort of, I escaped into, into middle age just in time. I've never told this story, but when I was starting to get discovered, 
So it was before I did TV, but I was starting to get into festivals. There was like hype around me. I had a one-liner joke about, you know, it was under George Bush and it was when same-sex marriage was um, the big issue. And that's what made me political was like defending gay people. And, you know, back then you could say whatever the fuck you wanted on stage. I mean, I said the F-bomb, ironically. I said the N-word in a fucking anti-racism joke and like these things killed. And, um, and I had this one, I mean, I'm just embarrassed because this is a bad joke because, you know, it was one of my first jokes. I was doing comedy for like five years. Um, but it was something about in the middle of a rant, a pro-gay rant, essentially saying that like gay people are cooler than us. I was like, I made some joke about like, you know, gay people don't even have domestic violence or like, what would you call gay domestic violence? Like a fair fight or like something like that. And it used to kill and it used to kill in front of gay people and all this stuff. And there was a, and I did it at a, a poetry night. I started to get kind of big in like the slam poetry scene in New York city. And there was a, you know, exactly who you think she is like Sarah Lawrence, Lena Dunham type. I don't even think she what was year gay. would this have been? I'm bet terrible with years. Um, but like, I don't even know if she was gay, maybe bisexual, whatever. She was she queer. A, she was she, what yeah, we would, she, I mean, she had a boyfriend at the time. That's all. But we would now, who would now call herself queer? Probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, we wouldn't because we're transphobic. We would just call her a monster. But the I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'd call her on Tumblr. We were <laughs> if it still exists. <laughs> I don't even. Very, know. That was very very funny reference. Um, and she wrote a response poem on stage in real time yeah didn't talk to me and she was famous she was on like deaf deaf poetry jam or whatever and she um she saw you on stage and that same night she got up on stage no no no, no, it was like it was like two weeks it was like two weeks later so i had no idea and we like saw each other in passing she could have come up to me and said hey i don't know if you've ever thought about this but there there is and I, I, and the answer is I did not think about it because I was a drunk stand-up comedian where it's like there is domestic violence in the gay community. It's really bad. It gets trivialized and lines like that could help trivialize it. And I would have said, holy fucking shit. I didn't even think about that. It just got a laugh and gay people liked it. And you're the first person who said someone, oh my God, like I got to think about that line or take it out. And, um... Instead, two weeks later, this woman who I saw on TV gets up on stage and goes to the, to the comedian who thinks he's a, like a poet and thinks gay domestic violence is like the title was very long and not very, uh, not very clever. Um, and, uh, did this whole part and I'm standing in the back of the club, like crying. It was like my first cancellation, but if it was online, if Twitter exa- and you know, it happened for that night. And that night was it. And that night fucking sucked. And I and left that, the club. God, that must have been like a turning point in history. This is why I asked what year it was, because it's like, it's it's a watershed. This is, it's an indicator of when hear. things started to turn. You talk, I'm going to Google real quick. Because that's Well, I, first of all, I have to you. say that I, that is a very, it's a funny joke. And you're, you're, you're normalizing. I mean, there's this, there's this, what she said you were trivializing it, but you could also say that you're normalizing it. I mean, this is actually, this is sort of get your, let's get our minds around this. I mean, to trivialize, to trivialize something is to normalize it. <laughs> to make fun of something is to normalize it. Also, by the way, I think that the highest rates of domestic violence are in lesbian couples. 
there's actually there's a pretty high rate. I mean, not super high, obvious, you know, but there it's it's considerable. Domestic violence is in no way the purview of heterosexual couples. Yeah. Um, by and, the way, it, lo- it looks like yeah. 2005, 2006. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but the crazy thing was I got to leave the club that night and it was done. You know, 50 people saw it. And, and, but if I had that joke now, if she went to Twitter now, I wonder if I would be called a homophobe for doing an entire act, what I thought was defending gay people. Would I be able to defend myself? Would I be able to go to be like, hey, I thought that was an anti-gay joke. And would they be like, oh, of course, here comes the straight guy. Like, who knows? Well, they wouldn't that say homophobe because that word doesn't exist anymore. No, because homo, nobody, first of all, gays aren't the, you know, gays are the new straights. Like I say, you know, men, white women are the new white men. So, you know, we, we finally caught up. So we're just as, as demonized. Um, but yeah, no gays, because everything is the, um, queer space and that's, that has no meaning. So, but like, yeah, old school gays hate this shit more than anybody. Yeah. Old school gays are my fucking favorite. Yeah. Well that Louis CK had that great routine. Actually, Louis had it. And then there was this another comedian. I don't know who stole it from who, but Harvey yeah. Weinstein? I, are you mixing them? Yeah. Up? yeah Lu- Harvey Weinstein had a great bit about this. <laughs> No, uh, Louis said, um, you know, like the, you know, the gays are just like, he would go into like, they're just, they're just tough. There's like a super, there's like a kind of old school gay guy. Who's just like, totally kick your ass. Yes. And, um, yeah, I remember, uh, we should all fear that. I interviewed person. a bartender at Stonewall about the uprising. He was just like some old big dude named tree and just like straight smacked my ass on the way out. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, <laughs> that rules. This guy's living his best life. Yeah. So, okay, but wait, I had something, another thing I was going to say. You can't do that joke. We we're talking about relationships. What were we saying? Well, I think, I mean, yeah. What I can pl- I can plug the Patreon while you remember. <laughs> yeah, when in, when in doubt. How, how's your Patreon doing, by the way? The fucking same. Exactly the same. It's like, I'll get a bunch of new members, and then I'll lose like a $50 member. And so like, yours is probably doing way better than mine. It's, you know, but... I also, I've had the same audience, like, because I haven't been talking about politics because I've been kind of just doing the high road. No one really knew because I haven't been doing stand up. No one really knew has been coming. So like the podcast numbers are about the same. So, you know, I lose a $50 member. I gain four new members. you know, like I just got four new female members, um, from the Nicole Aniston episode. Do they get, do they get, have to pay less? Is it like ladies night? Do they get like, you know, you, you, you should let them have like two months for the price of one. Yeah. They just, they, they, they just get, uh, they get less rewards than the men do. <laughs> and, um, and the, but yeah, but then we lost some like $50 member cause like shit's hard, you know? And some people are like, Oh, I can't pay that anymore. So, I mean, it literally has been like hovering at like, I mean, my old cancel culture, call people out, fucking made just over 10 grand a month with no sponsors. And this one's hovered at like $1,000 a month for like four fucking years. So it certainly is not, I mean, I would qualify for like, and this is because of the cancel stuff. This is like, I would qualify for, you know, fucking food stamp, like all that shit right now. I'm just desperately trying to do it. On my own. And I know once I start doing stand up again and getting on these big shows, it'll help. And then as the numbers go up, more people will join the Patreon. 
And I'm starting to do a thing where, so like for the Nicole Aniston episode, it was a full hour, but I'm actually trying to be smart with business finally because I have to. And so I was like, ooh, I'm going to save the sex advice questions for the Patreon. So then, uh, But then extra- you have to like do extra editing. I know, but it's, I never did it. And it's just, if it's going to get me new people, like 20 minutes of me talking about sex with a fucking porn star, and then it's like, I'm going to do it. I'd rather do that than, you know, an extra episode a week, at least until I figure out where the fuck I'm living and can settle down. Then maybe I'll do an extra episode a week. But essentially, people get like an extra half an hour of the more like salacious stuff. So should we have like, uh, after we wrap this up, should we spend another 20 minutes talking about something like really embarrassing that we're only going to release to? Well, I mean, but like nobody wants to hear about that from from me and you. No, I mean, I was talking about like, I got some like crazy but like should, there would be something. Yeah, maybe we should. Um, oh, after oh this, like, like for our own Patreon people, like we should talk about something that. Like, I mean, I know we only what it is. want these very small handful of people. To it, listen to. It's it, it it's what famous like intellectual dark web person that we like secretly fucking can't stand. Oh, I thought you were gonna say that we want to fuck. Oh, because, you know, because when I was uh, when I, I talked, is to my Yael, only option Barry Weiss? Are there? Wh- wh- who are the other women? Uh, well, Barry Weiss is into women. She's married to a woman. So oh, that's right. You can't. I don't know that. I mean, I don't want to speak for her. No, because when I talked with uh, Hialeah and Yael, we talked about what dictators we thought were hot. That's fucking because, hysterical. Well, because I and the occasional terrorist, because like I, you know, because I say like I kind of like bad boys. I always thought Osama bin Laden had kind of like a soulful quality. Really, he had Marfins. I'm gonna, he had that I'm attenuated I'm gonna long at, finger. I'm gonna look in his eyes. Wait, yeah, he was like are, an El Greco. What are my painting. options for? IDW. <laughs> okay, you know what? We will save this for the. Okay, let's yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna let's wrap up the public version of this. Yes. So, is there anything more? The taking the high road. Patreon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash Jamie Kilstein, or you can check out my podcast, A Fuck Up's Guide to the Universe, for free on iTunes and Spotify. I'm tweeting again, so you can follow me on Twitter at Jamie Kilstein, and my Instagram, where I make like comedy sketches and talk about mental health, is at the Jamie Kilstein. I also have an hour uh, stand-up special that you can get on mycomedystore.com called Metaphorical Suicide. Those are my plugs. Oh, that's a great title. Thanks, bud. All right, Jamie, thank you for coming on The Unspeakable, and uh, we'll have to make this a regular thing. So I would love co- that. Come back in a few months. Canceled Collective. We, guys, tweet me and Megan who else you would want to see in our Canceled Collective. Yeah. And if we get like two other people, I mean, we could do like a roundtable show. But like, I don't know what we're offering. We'll talk about this in the Patreon. I don't know what we should offer because I have this conversation all the time. Like, what's, Here's my first what's idea. The, uh, yeah. My Go first ahead. idea off the top of my head to force me and you who have kind of stepped back from politics is every Friday there is a podcast and it's me, you and blank person, blank person. And we just do a fucking wrap up. We just do a weekly wrap up of like what happened that week. Like the Amber Heard, but we do it. But then we'd have to follow. I think we should do a wrap up of stuff. We didn't follow at all. That's very fun. And so we can just talk about like, yeah, what was that about? What we've pieced and, together. Or what we were doing instead. Like, I mean, I was just li- watching old that's the YouTube average videos. American. They read the fucking headline and then they go, uh, I right. guess I don't like that person. Right. Okay, this is good. So yeah, we're, we're wrapping up the public version right now. So guys, if this interests you, DM us or whatever. Tell us who should be in this collective and what you would like to get out of it, right? What they would like to get out of it? Is that what we're asking them? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. So, Jamie, thank you for being on the public feed. Thanks, buddy. Of the unspeakable. 
and we'll do it again soon. Hell yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm going to, eh, screw it. You know what? Okay. Let's just keep going. Okay. Now, now we're on the, on the inside. Give me my options to fuck. (laughs) Who in the IDW would you have sex with? Well, there aren't very many women and this is actually something that I'm addressing. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a secret project, uh, having to do with, uh, heterodox space for women. Um, so, and I don't know, like, I'm, you know, my generation, we were all about like, you know, keeping our projects secret and then like announcing them when they're all ready. But now it's like, you know, the Silicon Valley thing is build in public, you know, right. I I find that very unnerving. So I'm hesitant to even talk about that, but that's a side thing. Okay. I, the, the women of the IDW would be. Barry Weiss, Katie Herzog. So they're both lesbians. Two lesbians. Oh, um, Katie, when she did my podcast, she's so fucking funny that I was just like, and she had a little, she had a little beanie on. She was very cute. Um, she's just hysterical. Um, just like funny, problematic women. But they're all lesbians. See, this is another thing is I think there's something about being a straight woman. And I actually wrote a piece about this when I was at the LA Times. You know, Christopher Hitchens had that whole thing. Women aren't funny. And when he died, I wrote a p a column saying like, well, actually, he had a point because I think that humor it's a very un it's a very masculine trait, and so when women are funny, there's something kind of inherently uh, defeminizing about it, and it's incredibly liberating, but it's also like. You in the moment where you're being funny and you're on stage or you're getting a laugh or something, there's Guys nothing. You don't feel like a girl at all. Well, but you feel like a like it transcends gender, and it's so that's why it's so exhilarating. Yeah, but no, it's you're not right. like, girly. In the and least. a lot of the women comics who are really funny also talk about sex, which like they break like a lot of sort of gender stereotypes. Yeah. And I think I, I think a lot of guys, again, much like we were talking about the Manic Pixie Dream Boy thing for me, think they want that and then they get intimidated because they're not funny or because they're not as interesting or they're not as brave or, you know, why is this girl, all these guys are laughing at my girlfriend, like, you know, and then that insecurity happens. Oh, they don't like it. Is it? It's sort of like if your girlfriend's a stripper, maybe. Totally. I was actually talking to a porn star friend of mine about how we attract the same kind of people. They like fetishize the idea about like fucking a porn star. Or they fetishize the idea about like an artist. Ah, um, totally. Yeah. God. And me and her are going to have sex. I'm very excited about that. Oh, you, one, plan, you, you planned it? That's one of the nine. <laughs> Wait, you planned ahead of time that you're going to have sex. Did you like put it, put it, do you have like a Calendly I mean, she, or something? She just fucking, she, she was pretty blunt about it, which is nice. Cause again, I'm not going to be. I'm like, I, dude, when I got fucking canceled, I didn't even know screenshots were a thing because I was like, we love each other. Why would we take screenshots? Like, so yeah. Dumb. Anyway, it's like a prenup. Okay. But so who we, would you so, fuck? I think you have more options. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. You do. Why? Because I'm a girl. No, well, because, oh, because I, there's more guys in the IDW. I have like fucking two lesbians or Brett Weinstein's wife. Like who are my fucking. <laughs> oh, she's sexy though. A lot of guys think she's sexy because she's got a sexy deep voice. But she's married. Heather. Yeah. Oh, well that's not, but we're just talking hypothetically. It doesn't. So, so Barry, Barry is, and Katie are married too. Oh, so they're on the table. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. This is just a purely, purely, this is a thought experiment. Okay. Who, I, don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to answer this because I have a very narrow bandwidth for being attracted to people, which is why I am attachment avoidance. It's all wrapped up in this. Ooh, what's so. your? What would you say is like the biggest, the hardest thing for you to find that you need? Wow, time. I need to be left alone. 
That's fair. My ideal relationship is long distance, and I'm not kidding. Yeah, I um, I mean, I was talking about this with my girlfriend last night, uh, or a girlfriend of mine, which is like you call your female friends girlfriends. Yeah, I that's do. like very fifties. I'm like, but like, they... usually men don't do that. Like when women call their girlfriends girlfriends. That's kind of well. Like I also weird. realized like I was hanging out with like these three girls last night and killing it. And I think it's because I'm very much one of the gals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm like, oh, are we are we dishing? Um, are we dishing about trauma? I'm fucking in. Oh, I see. Okay, but you were saying you, a long distance relationship. Well, I mean, I think now I need so much time by myself that it and it's really hard with what happened to me because you're afraid that like is someone going to use this against me? Whatever. I literally just need someone to casually fuck. And I feel like that is impossible and definitely hard for my situation and hard because the way I attract people, it's like, it gets very heavy, very fast. And so, yeah, the idea, and you know, one of the girls I've been talking to, it is long distance, but even that it got so serious so fast. And I was like, fuck dude. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. You are such a girl and I'm such a guy. I know. Cause I I never, I really don't get into things fast. I mean. That would be, I mean, yeah. Just like, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to go like, I'm happy to go like, you know, months between the first date and the second date. Oh, Jesus. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to do guys. For me, it's, it's between <laughs> Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson. For me? Oh. No, for, I, for if I were to choose guys. Oh, if, I mean, if you were going to, oh, if you were going to, do you think Jordan, yeah, Jordan Peter, yeah. Uh, if you were going to like, if you were going to go the other way is what you're, what you're saying. You would choose. Oh. See, now I'm drawing a blank as to who's in this group. I mean, it depends on how well versed you are in, in this group. I mean, they, there, there can be an enormous number of them. Right. Can there be adjacent really... like his like Jocko and Joe Rogan? Are they technically, you know? I mean, there's like James Lindsay, Peter Bogosian. Uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with those, that crew? Yeah, see, you got to be deep into this. I'm Jamie. removed You're enough. Not, yeah, that's why I would, that's why I picked the fucking hacky ones. I was like, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, the IDW. Yeah, I don't even. Right. Yeah, I, you know what? I've never even. I have never listened or watched Tim Pool ever. You've never. I, what? I, I, don't, I don't. I don't know who Tim Pool is. Oh, he just really, invited me on his show, and I'm probably that's gonna get great. A no, lot I know. I'd be trouble for doing it. Okay, why? Because I was just. They were talking about him on Decoding the Gurus. I don't know if you've listened to that. That's no. a podcast that dissects all the IDW podcasts. Uh, Those guys you might find sexy. Um, are did they, were they attacking Tim Pool? Yes, they yeah. they attack everybody. Okay, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm definitely going to. Well, and maybe this is more interesting for your Patreon people where the the two weeks ago, Jamie would have never gone on Tim Pool show. And then he asked me and I was like, again, you know what? I'm going to genuinely be myself. Everyone can go fuck themselves. Yeah, see, exactly. What's the problem? Because I am getting shit right now for fucking. Uh, I am getting shit for doing nothing, for taking the high road because I have these psychopath stalkers. And who will send the pieces to any time I get work or send it to my fucking girlfriend or send it to whatever that I'm letting these two fucking lunatics. Wait, there's just two of them? Literally two? Yeah. Oh. But don't get me wrong. When I do Tim Pool's show, that'll bring out people who hated me from the past and like, you know, whatever. Um, but the um, the idea that I would not go on a show with a massive fucking audience, even if a hundred of his people like me and 10 of them become patrons, you know what I mean? Like that's a hundred bucks a month. I need that. 
And so everyone can get fucked. You know, now if I went on Tim Pool's show and was like, you know, started talking about like Nazis or whatever, it's like, okay, well now I'm selling out. But at this point, it's like, everyone can suck my dick. Like you've tried to stop me long enough from making a living. You fucking succeeded. I second guessed everything I was going to tweet, every show I was going to go on. Uh, and now it's like, because I'm like, well, what if this person from the left who I used to be friends with saw I talked to fucking Megan and she tweets about it? I don't care. Give me money. If you give me money or let me live my fucking I life. don't think they care. But honestly, I don't think they they care. You would be shocked. I don't get any pushback that I ever see. I'm not kidding. I mean, I don't go looking for it, but I don't get they I think they leave me alone. I think that the the people on the left, I maybe I'm kidding myself, but I think they have grudging respect. Well, I'm very fucking curious about what's going to happen after I go on Tim's show, but I don't care. I don't care. I don't really know why they hate Tim. I know he used to be a big Occupy Wall Street guy and now he went after the Democrats and, you know, whatever, but like I don't give a fuck. See, that's why they hate you. If you switch lanes is why is when they hate you. Right. That's well, and that is your crime. Yeah, that like, hey, motherfuckers, I didn't want to switch lanes. Um, the lanes switched you, on you, me. You guys, you guys fucking kicked me out. And so, you know, it's like, I will, I, I'm just going to talk where people want to have me. And guess what? When I, when I did go on Glenn Beck's show, when I did go on fucking Blaze, I talked about fucking Black Lives Matter and I talked about LGBT issues and I talked about fucking things that would never get talked about on there, but I did it like a fucking human being and people actually listened to me. And that's awesome. And so maybe, Maybe I can actually even do more. Like, who the fuck knows? Um, but I'm just, I'm tired of like, oh, I'm just going to hide because I don't want to get in trouble again. Like, bitch, I'm already in trouble. I'm already as fucked as you can be financially. You guys, like, you did it. Congratulations. And now I'm just fucking sick of it. And like, I want to fight back. I, I don't want to turn into a Twitter fighter person. But at least when I do shows like this, I'm not going to pretend like everything's okay. Or I'm not going to pretend that, you know, oh, well, if you're just above it, like, Nope, that doesn't fucking work. Like, I want to make jokes. I want to make people happy. I want to call bullshit out on both sides. And I'm just going to be a little louder about it, you know? See, okay, but I don't, again, I don't know. I know we're supposed to be talking about salacious stuff, but just quickly, like, I, I don't see the high road as not making the jokes we want to make. I just see it as, like, not having, you know, YouTube teasers that are like, so-and-so destroys, Jamie destroys... Megan in a, you know, in their interaction about blah, blah, blah. It's like, maybe it's just an aesthetic thing. Well, like I said, I, I think that I was telling myself I was taking the high road and a lot of it was just me being scared. I see. I see. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, right. and I, I framed it as that. Whereas I'm like, I just didn't want more pushback because I was like, I couldn't handle it. And now it's like, yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to handle it, but also I can't handle my living situation now. So you know what you should do? You should start um, a dating app for canceled people because people have said, uh, like, why isn't there uh, like a heterodox dating app? Although that does sound like heterodox just sounds it's such a limited word because it just sounds it, like hetero it sounds also, like sexual orientation. Isn't that dating app called fucking Twitter? <laughs> Nobody's ever asked me out on, on Twitter. I don't is people use it for that. No, but there should be. See, well, I'm trying to, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm trying to like sort of figure out how to, I mean, I do think I'm going to finally write this. about it. I did yeah. a show on, on Sirius. Um, it was like their really big morning show and they were like, you should write about this. And I always thought that, you know, my situation, no one really knew me. It's so specific. I don't want to rehash it. But the idea of 
tribalism, the idea of what happened to me, the idea of me going all in on one side and being, you know, I mean, there might be something there that people can relate to the forgiveness, you know, not doing the just like fuck feminism route and just actually just talk about what happened. Like, I think at the very least, I'm gonna start developing some stand up about it and maybe work to do like a whole hour of stand up on it and then see what happens from there. But I mean, I've been afraid to even write about it, you know, like Barry was like, write about it. Uh, Greenwald was like, write about it. And I was just like, all I could think about was the amount of shit I will get. And instead of thinking about, you know, actually maybe I'll get something good. Maybe I can help No, you'll get good because you control it. See, these are like the people who come to my writing workshops. They're always like the story that they really want to tell. They're afraid to write. And it's like, no, actually, if you write that, then you control the narrative. You take back control. Right. Whereas right now it's like you Google me and you just see it's what controlling other people you. have written about me. Yeah. My, my fighter friend said something very similar to what you said, where he's like, you're afraid of confrontation because of your anxiety, but you actually have more anxiety because you haven't had the confrontation because you haven't defended yourself. So you're just letting them say what they want. Yeah. Damn, yeah. dude. No, you gotta be the, you gotta be the hero, the hero of your story. Okay. So we, we, we got to give our Patreon people something that is worth paying for. So I what, think what, fucking, I mean, I also have to pee and I'm so hungry. Oh, I think me fucking, and, and I named who I, uh, from the free podcast when I was like someone controversial, it was Glenn Greenwald. Um, and, uh, and that you want to have sex with him. Uh, Wait, sorry. No, al- although I do, I, I he I would do, probably have sex with you. I do love his daddy. We've we've hung out before. Um, his his boyfriend's much more handsome than me. Oh, now husband. Anyway, um, and uh, you know, I went on my little fucking I'm gonna destroy people rant. I thought that was salacious, and I said I'd fuck Sam Harris. You you did? Oh, I missed that. You would? I mean, I guess I'm saying it now. I, I said it was between Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, okay. and Sam does jujitsu, so like we could do that together. It'd be great. Yeah. Okay. I also well, that's gotta, very that's very vulnerable. I gotta okay. get a fucking that that's a podcast I gotta because Sam actually I trashed him back in the day. He's, he's one of my Patreons, by the way. So stop he, it. Oh, he, techni- he technically could be listening to this. Oh, I'm no. sure he won't well, be. Well, now I blew he's it. He's also I, a high level patron. He's a twenty dollar a month. Damn, patron Sam. Order. I actually. What's funny is I wrote him yesterday because we've emailed before. In the article I wrote for Quillette about tribalism, I mentioned him specifically, and he actually shared the article, and the article did really well. Oh, fantastic. Um, but I he was takes like, the high road. I, have huge I really want to do a fucking interview on his show, not because he's like super famous, but because it's like, because of the conversation we've had, because, you know, I want to talk about one, how cancel culture is real, how I'm literally too much. Like, I, so I, I just alluded to this because I don't want motherfuckers to think they won, but like, I'm two months away from being homeless. Like if I don't make something happen in two months, I'm homeless. I'm staying on a floor right now. And um, and I can stay here for another month. It's like a month and a half. And, um, you know, so one, cancel culture is fucking real. It's maybe not for like Louis C.K. when they go, who won a Grammy? It's like, cool, I'm sleeping on a floor. And, um, but two, the idea of how it does hurt the left. Like people don't talk about it from the left. People don't talk about the amount of people I've seen go full fucking Trump who were liberals four years ago um, because they're just sick of this shit. It's astonishing. And I think that's a really important conversation to have instead of just being like, if you're anti-cancel culture or fucking conservative. Um, so anyway, Sam, if you're listening, I won't, we don't have to have sex, but I would like to come on your podcast. Okay. That's, that is the, that's the best pitch letter I've ever heard. So well, well done. Okay. All right. Well, Jamie, we'll wrap this up and we'll, we'll do it again very soon. Let's do it soon. And seriously, I would do like another project. I know we, we always talk about this, but like I would do a project with me and you, I think. 
Totally. I think we, I think we vibe really well together, and I think it's it's rare. I, I think Cancel Collective is a fucking dope-ass name, too. Oh, you're right. Cancel Collective. All right, well, guys. Let's do it. Give us some, give us some ideas. I'm yeah. there. I'm there. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, dude. See you soon. See you. Bye. That was my interview with Jamie Kilstein. He is a comedian and host of A Fuck-Up's Guide to the Universe. You can support him at patreon.com slash Jamie Kilstein. And that's Kilstein with one L. You can support this show at patreon.com slash the unspeakable. If you do that, you can get the rest of this conversation. It goes on for about another 20 minutes. You can also get lots of perks, including early access to the show, the chance to join our biweekly hangouts, where we get together and discuss a specific episode, not to mention 10% off your first purchase of official Unspeakable Podcast Nuanced AF merchandise. A listener wrote to me the other day and informed me that t-shirts were sold out in every color except white, and I have personally fixed that. They are now available in a handful of colors. There are also mugs, hats, stickers, magnets, baby onesies. You can also make a one-time donation to the podcast in any amount by visiting the show's website at theunspeakablepodcast.com. That's right. You can avoid Patreon altogether. Just go there and click on the donate button on the homepage. I'll be back next week with another super nuanced guest. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.